when we uh, when we started the book of Ephesians, I, I did uh, say, and the young people knew this, that this is my favourite book of the Bible. Um, who has favourite days? That is weird. Is that, we have, yeah, I know, but I don't list them. Anyway, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I, uh, but I do have favourite books of the Bible, which I probably shouldn't have, because the Bible is brilliant all the way through. But Ephesians... Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I struggle a little bit with Leviticus at times. There's some great bits in it, but I can't really say that's my favourite book. But, um, but Ephesians is so packed full of wonderful stuff. And today, uh, we're doing a couple of verses uh, that are brilliant. Okay, It's good news. Okay, I want to share good news with you. Um, uh, it, I think it's a bit... Is it a bit boomy? Can you turn this down a bit? Yeah. It's the base bit, yeah. So, obviously, to start with good news, um, it's really important. Any West Ham supporters here? I, I, I shouldn't really mention this, I know, I mention it each time, but um, uh, so, sorry if you're a West Ham supporter, I do, do apologise, uh, but you were beaten by a better team yesterday. I just, all I can say, um, yes, Crystal Palace won away uh, at West Ham. Thank you, thank you, yeah. I realise it's, it's time to share good news, so uh, that was that was mine. Three one, three one. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, shall I shall I move on? Shall I go? Yeah, okay, fine, fine. I'm okay, let's uh, let's read uh, this. I have to say that this is even better news. I, you know, I've... okay, Ephesians chapter two, and just going to read uh, three verses, starting in verse eight. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This, uh, this passage mo- is uh, moving on from the passage that Jamie looked at last week. Um, and that passage is all about the fact that we were, all of us, Dead. When we were born, uh, this physical life, we were born, the Bible tells us, dead. <laughs> away from God. Uh, unable to communicate with God. Unable to come to God. Um, and, uh, but then the, the wonderful truth of that passage is that God made us alive. Through Jesus Christ. And through the work of the Holy Spirit. And seated us with him in heavenly places. He raised us up. And, uh, and Jamie talked about that last week. And, and this, this verse here, this next verse, verse 8, uh, Paul emphasises the, va- the, the hugely important fact that this was something that God did. We are saved through faith in Jesus Christ and not by works. And uh, this truth has been battled over over the centuries with Christianity. Because when Paul penned it, it was understood. And then through the ages, people thought that actually this isn't enough. Simple trust and faith in Jesus isn't enough. You have to do stuff. You have to work at this. You have to keep uh, God happy in some shape or form. You have to make God happy before you can be saved. You have to get your life sorted. Yes, faith is important, but actually you've got to do some stuff. You've got to try and get a bit closer to God before he will do anything for you. And, and this 
teaching, this thought were coming into the church and, and getting it all mixed up. And we see it in various forms, even today, through various church practices. That you, you, you know, okay, and I was listening to uh, someone, uh, I was just uh, on the internet, uh, in fact, it was something he'd written um, from a particular church and saying, yeah, it's all very well saying faith, but actually you've got to do something. And even today there is people saying, you know, faith is all very well and good, but unless you do something, you're never going to be saved. Paul is absolutely, completely clear on this point. Uh, And not only here, elsewhere. He is saying, it is by faith alone. It is entirely the work of God to bring you to salvation. He did it all. And so, if this morning you aren't a believer, if you haven't come to Christ, you don't have to do anything. You just have to believe. You just have to believe that he loves you, that he died on the cross for you, that he took your sin, all the the, the rubbish that was in your life. He dealt with that on the cross, and all you do is say, yes, I believe you. I accept what you did for me on the cross. That is how you are saved. You don't have to do anything. And that's the wonderful, wonderful truth of the gospel, that... We were, we were dead. And, and this is why Paul says early on, we were dead. See, a corpse cannot do anything. You can speak to it. You can talk to it. It can't do anything. Only when it's raised to life can it do anything. And that's what God does for us. And it's so, so important that we don't mix this up in any way, shape or form. We are saved through faith in Jesus. And that's it. He has done Everything. He died on the cross. He lived the perfect life. He paid your price. He paid my price. And the problem with the religions of the world is that they all have an element of what you have to do. And they reflect man's pride, really. Man cannot accept, I'm hopeless. Man cannot accept, I can do nothing. Man has to say, no, I can do something. I can add something. And so all the religions of the world have an element of you've got to do something. And this is why Christianity, and uh, it makes me so mad when when they're all lumped together, the truth of Christianity is it is entirely different. We don't do anything. God does it all. And so if you want to know what the difference between Christianity and the rest of religions is, they're man-made, because man says, I can do something about this. And I'm going to have a religion that says, I can do this, that and the other, and somehow I'm going to get to God. Somehow I'm going to make myself acceptable to him. That's what all the other religions do. Christianity says, I can't. I'm too far gone. I cannot reach him. He reaches down and picks me up. And pride has to go. All pride has to go. We have to admit before God, I can't get to you. I am in a hopeless state. And when we do that, God reaches down and picks us up. He saves us and we come to him. And there may be some people here this morning that have never done that. And you're wondering, how do I, what, what is this about? You know, I've, I heard this testimony of someone getting healed. Uh, what is this about? How can I know this Jesus? It's simple. Just believe that he loves you and that he died for you. And you can come to know him today. You can know him for yourself.
It's through faith in Jesus and his life and death and resurrection. It's all it is. It's wonderful news. Wonderful news. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to be someone. I can trust only in Jesus. But Paul goes on. And um, he wants to emphasise this point. So in verse... uh, Verse 8 says, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So Paul here is talking about not boasting. And that's really important because (coughs) it's possible to think in the Christian life that actually I've got somewhere because I'm actually quite good. Or alternatively, you can look at people, you can look at famous Christians and, and put them on a pedestal and think, wow, aren't they amazing? I, I, they're so much more holy than me, so much more amazing than me. So much, you know, I'll never, I'll never be anything. Um, and Paul is saying here, look, that's nonsense. They got to where they are the same way that you got there. They had nothing and God saved them. I had nothing. Now, I want to say, I'm really grateful for the upbringing that I had. I was born into a Christian family. I was taught about Jesus from an early age. And I'm so thankful to God, but I can't boast about that. Because I was still born dead. I was still needed God to raise me up. I still needed God to intervene. And, uh, and my parents knew that. They couldn't make me a Christian. They taught me well, and I, I'm so grateful for that. But I'm no better than anybody. If you were brought up in a, a home that was far away from God, and, um, and, uh, and by God's grace you came to Jesus, we are born and reborn exactly the same way. All of us were hopeless. All of us have been raised through faith in Jesus, and by God's grace alone. No one can boast. And it's so important that we don't put people on pedestals. We don't think, oh, they are so much better than me because of the background they've had. We were all in the same boat. We were all totally, totally lost until Jesus broke in. And, uh, and so never compare yourself. Never think, I wish I was more like Jamie. Or more like me. Why would you think that anyway? But anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> but never think that. We're all in the same boat. We all got here by the same grace and mercy and love of God. We can't boast about anything. In fact, Paul says, if you want to boast, boast about Jesus. Boast about what he's done. Boast about his goodness and his love and his glory. That's what Paul says. Boast about him. That's what, because he's, he is worth boasting about. He's, he's done everything. He is the glorious one. Boast about him. And, uh, and that's, that's what we do. That's what we do here. We say, Jesus is everything. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Yeah. There's a few verses uh, that we could look at. Uh, verse, uh, just, to, just so to emphasize, like Romans 3, verse 27, it says, Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what, because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. And Romans 3, 21 to 24, says this, but apart from the law, I'll read it from here, because I've got a different version. Now, but now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. 
This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. Paul, throughout the Gospels, makes this point so clear. We were all in the same boat. We were all far from God, and God saves us. It's a wonderful, glorious truth. And the wonderful truth is is that if, if you haven't come to Christ, you can today, by just believing and trusting in him. But Paul goes on, and this is also such a vital and valuable uh, truth that Paul wants us to know. And that's in verse 10. It says, uh, after it's saying that we are not by works, he then says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is really an important verse, because it goes on to say that actually... We don't get saved through anything we do. But actually, in our lives, God has prepared stuff, works, for us to do. These works do not gain us anything in heaven. In fact, a few, few months ago, we were looking at the book of Galatians. And Paul wrote the book of Galatians primarily to, to address this fact that you didn't come to Christ through works. You don't stay in Christ and earn anything in Christ through works either. And again, this teaching comes in... You, you can actually say, well, okay, you're, you're doing alright, but you need to do a bit more, just to prove that you're a good person. And the teaching of the Bible, and the teaching of Christianity is this, you don't gain anything by good works. You, you have your standing in Christ through Jesus alone. But, there are good things God has prepared for you to do. There are good works to do. They're not to gain you standing in heaven, but they are for us to live the life that God has called us to live. They are for our fulfilment and the world's blessing. And that's what God has ordained. But I want to look firstly at this whole thing of, for we are God's workmanship. That is an incredible statement. We are God's workmanship. The the, the verse, the the word used, um, is used one place else in the New Testament. And it's in reference to creation. And it refers to the fact that uh, God created an amazing array of uh, of um, things. Not a good expression. Uh, you know, the, the plants, the animals, the birds, the fish, and humans. And, and they are an amazing display of his glory. Amen. The variety, uh, the amazing things that we see around us, all those nature programs. And when we look at the human body and what we are and what we're capable of, we are amazing. And, and the same word of that creation is used here. And if you like, God is, God is saying, in Christ, we are recreated in an amazing way. We are God's workmanship, God's crafting, uh, a craft work, if you like, or, or um, something that is of immense uh, care and value that God has created. And so when we come to Christ, uh, it's not simply that we uh, remain as we were, but God works us and creates us into something amazingly new. Um, the Bible talks about us being renewed day by day. It talks about us being transformed uh, daily into his likeness in ever-increasing glory. And so God is at work creating something amazing in each and every one of us. And 
And it's important to us to realise that we, as children of God, are God's workmanship. We are, if you like, God's work of art that he is creating. But actually, uh, that, that expression, uh, I've used it before, but actually it's a little bit more than that. The problem with works of art is that they're beautiful and amazing, but they just sit there often. You just look at them and they don't do anything. No, we're much more than that. We are formed into something that is amazing, and we can work and do stuff. So we're not simply there just to, although we are there for the amazing glory to God, we bring glory to God by who we are, but actually we're created to do things that God has prepared for us to do. Now, what's really important here, um, when we consider this, we consider what we're like, is to realise that God doesn't make mistakes. You see, we can often look at ourselves and think, why, why am I like this? Why did God make me like that? Why do I look this way? Why am I like this? If only I was like that person over there. If only I was more like them. If only I was more... And, and we can look at ourselves and we can compare. And one of the things that human beings do is compare ourselves. And we think, well, I'm not as good as him or her, but I'm a bit better than them, so I'm probably all right. I'm somewhere in the middle. And, and we can so often do this. And God, through Paul, is saying, why? Why are you comparing yourself? Each person individually is my work of art, my workmanship. I'm creating, recreating you into something amazing. And I don't make mistakes. I don't get it wrong. I haven't made you badly. And if we compare ourselves and we think someone is better, we're actually saying to God, you didn't get me right, did you? You're saying to God, you've not done a good job here. And we're labelling the almighty, amazing creator, the perfect God, with some error. If we say that about ourselves, God doesn't make mistakes. He hasn't made a mistake with you. Now, he may be perfecting us, and there are things in us, in all of us, that he's changing from one degree of glory to another. Yeah, I accept that. I'm not perfect yet. Uh, Maybe, no, I won't be here on earth. I will be in heaven, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I know God's doing work in me. Um, And there are things that I know God wants to change in me. But actually, as a person, and as my personality and what God's made me, I know he's made me for a purpose. I know he's done it for a reason. And that is true for every single one of you. You're not a mistake. You haven't been made wrongly. God made you just as he wanted you to be. Because he's got something for you to do. Because he's, in his amazing scheme of of salvation, amazing scheme of this earth, he has got a job for you to do. And it's really important that we don't compare ourselves and we don't think, I wish I was different, I wish I was something else. In Psalm 139, this is a wonderful psalm, many of you will know this and, and will treasure these, these words. David picks up this theme and in verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. David was an amazing man. He grasped some wonderful truths, some New Testament truths, if you like, way before uh, Jesus came. He understood that he was amazing. Now, he wasn't an arrogant man. He wasn't, he wasn't a man that puffed himself up. He just recognised what God was doing. 
He recognised the goodness and the love and the grace of God and said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. We should all say that about ourselves. I am wonderfully made. That's not boasting. That's recognising what Jesus and what God has done in us. And that's true, everyone. And we need to get this in our hearts because so often we dismiss ourselves. And one of the things that Paul is getting at here is when we recognise that we're God's workmanship, then we're much more likely to get in and do the good works that we're called to. If we think we're rubbish, we won't do anything. What what good can I do? What what good have I got to offer? Nothing. Well, I won't do anything then. Because whatever I do will be worthless. And if we have this wrong, if we have this lie that says, I'm not anything worth anything, we won't do the good works we're called to do. And so we need to get, you are amazing. You are wonderful. You're glorious because of what God has made you. You are God's workmanship. And we mustn't either think that, okay, uh, when I have got to a particular point in my life, when I've achieved something, when I've got this position in the church or in my work, or if I'm in, uh, if I get married, or if I have this relationship, or if I'm, when I get here, then then I'll be okay. Then I'll have some worth about myself. And we can look at circumstances and situations. Um, when I get my job, I'll be okay. And we can look at these things and think: once I get to this point, then I'll have something that's worth. I'll I'll feel better about myself, and then I'll have something worth giving. Actually, that's not that's not what God is saying here. He's saying, actually, you're already my workmanship. And whatever circumstance you're in, you're prepared and ready to do my good works. You're amazing, and you can be a blessing wherever you are. You may want your circumstances to change. That's that's a different thing. You may be praying to God for this, that, and the other. That's fine. But it doesn't mean that now, right now, you can't do wonderful things for God. Because God's made you as you are. He hasn't made you... A workmanship in a job, or a workmanship in a relationship. You're just a workmanship now. And God has got wonderful things for you to do. One other thing which I know people uh, can easily struggle with is this whole thing of, well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm limited in what I can do because really... I just haven't got a very good mind. My academic ability is limited. I'm, I'm, you know, so uh, you know, I, I'm, there's a limit to what I can do. And um, and the thing is, the reason we can think that way is because the world values academic ability. It 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 raises up people who are clever and 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 lords them. And now I'm not not decrying academic ability. And if God has given you that as a gift, then use it. Use it for his glory. You know, study well. Go to, uh, you know, do well at school. Study hard. Go to university. That's great. I'm not saying in any way, I'm not decrying academic ability. But it's a gift that God gives to some and somehow not to others. He gives other gifts. We cannot and we must not elevate one gift above another. And the very interesting thing is, and, and, and uh, Paul uh, and various other writers, and Jesus himself addresses this. Academically, uh, actually, there, there can be a bit of a problem. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty five says this. Uh, Jesus said this, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, 
and revealed them to little children. The truth about Jesus so often was hidden from the scribes and the Pharisees. These were learned men, people that had got a lot of intellectual ability. They couldn't see Jesus for who he was. They couldn't see the truth. And in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 19, Paul writes this, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. And so God is warning those that are clever. You just, you can so easily, because of your own mind and what you think, you can miss the truth. There are people, and I don't mean to, but I think it's important to, to note these things, that recently Stephen Fry has come out with some comments about God and about what he thinks about God and how what a nonsense he thinks it is. Um, and Stephen Hawking has written something on the fact there is no God. In our society, these two are very, very intellectual and intelligent people. I, I, I laud them for what they are able to understand. Um, and they're very, very clever people. But sadly, they're blind. They don't know the truth. They have spent their life searching for the truth. And they've not found it. They've not found it. Because Jesus says, I am the truth. If you come to me, you will know the truth. So, the simplest person here who has come to Jesus knows more truth than either Stephen Hawking or Stephen Fry. Because they've met Jesus. He is the total embodiment of truth. Now, you may not have their intellectual ability. They do have an amazing intellect. I don't decry that. I don't. But actually, that has blinded them to the truth of Jesus. And if you know Christ today, you know more truth than they do. And be confident in that. Be assured that you, know, you can come up against wise people and have the answer, because you know Jesus. You can come up against people with all sorts of arguments and say... Yeah, but I know Jesus, and, and he healed this person. That's wonderful, wonderful truth. And we can know wonderful truth. It says in John 8, 31 and 32, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The sad, sad thing about these men, as, as great as they are in this world... Is that what they have understood and what they know will never ever lead to people being free. They, the, the wonderful or the, the lie of Satan is as we know more, as we understand more, as we understand more about the birth of the universe, as we understand more about uh, um, medicine, if we understand more about things, then people will become free. That's a lie. Freedom comes from knowing Jesus. Amen. Knowing the truth. Amen. You will know me, and then you will be set free. And the world looks at these people for freedom. They're looking and saying, can you provide us? And they're doing their best, but they will never do it. We carry in our lives, in our mouths, freedom for people. Because we know Jesus. And we can go up to someone who is uh, bound and 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 not free, and we can just present Jesus, and they will become free. They will become free as they meet him. 
And we carry that. We carry that. So don't be overawed by these people, as wonderful as they are, as amazing as they are, because actually what we carry is far greater, far better. We carry the truth of Jesus. So just the final part I want to talk about is these good works. God created you specifically, uniquely, amazingly, to do something that he has prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared wonderful works, good works, for each and every one of us. And the reason you're like you are is because the work he's called you to do needs you to be like that. If you were different, you couldn't do those works. I cannot do the works God has called you to do. I'm not made like you. I can't do it. I might try, but I wouldn't do a good job. Because that's not what I'm called for. God has made me to do some good works. I need to walk in them. God has made you to do good works. He's made you just as you are, so that you can walk in them. And the wonderful thing about these works is... And a good work, by, by definition, if you like, if I want to do definition, is something that blesses others and gives glory to God. Okay, it's as simple as that. I don't want to uh, get into, you know, is this a good work, is that a good work? If you do something that blesses someone else, that is a good work. It could be something that you do in your daily work. You could go and you could give, say, say to someone in your work, you did a really good job. That blesses it. That's a good work. You could go and sit and talk to someone who's a bit on their own. That's a good work. You can go and start an orphanage. That's a good work. I don't want to distinguish between... Now, there are some huge things that God calls us to do. Some dreams that God's put in our life that we work towards and that we see. It may be uh, doing something, you know, working in, in a, a different country. Uh, it may be um, bringing the gospel to a different part of the world. It may be huge, big things. Um, and that's great, and God will work it out, and that they are good works that God's prepared for us to do. But it's also the everyday way we live. It's being a good mum and a good dad. It's blessing our children. It's, um, it's speaking to someone. Uh, it's encouraging, it's praying for someone. It's these things that God has prepared us to do. And in your course of life, you will meet people that I will never meet. And that's your good work, to bless them to tell them about Jesus, to pray for them, to encourage them. That's your good work. And that's what God's prepared you to do. It may be something amazingly big. It may be something very small. And throughout our lives, each of us will have big things and small things, good works to do. And they have been prepared specifically for us. Sometimes, and a lot of the time, it does take effort. When God puts something on your heart, you need to give yourself to it. You need to, to work hard at it. Maybe God's put on your heart to do, um, start a business that is glorifying to God. That's a good work. If you're going to employ people that, uh, that will take them off, um, off benefits and stuff, that's good work. If, if that's your, what's in your heart, that is a good thing. And so we don't, we don't distinguish between spiritual, in inverted commas, and uh, worldly. Actually, if God has called you to start an excellent business that employs people, that is a good work, and that's wonderful. Uh, and that does business in an ethical way. Uh, that's a great testimony. And so we would encourage you 
to, to do that. And so we don't want to distinguish between what God's... Each person has got a different calling on their life, a different good work prepared. And we want, as a church here, to see everything encouraged, whatever that is, whatever God's put on your heart, day to day, and maybe the big dreams in the future. And I want to encourage you that actually these good works are specifically designed for you because they will be a blessing to you as well. Sometimes you may think, oh, I I don't really want to get into knowing what God has because maybe I won't like it. Maybe God's going to call me to do something uh, that I'm going to hate. And I'm just going to be a real bore for the rest of my life. And and if we think that way, we're actually missing the point of what God is. We don't don't understand God. Because what God says is, I love you, and I want you to have life to the full. Jesus said that. And life to the full is doing what you were made to do. I'll tell you a little story. Hopefully it won't uh, won't, won't be long. Many years ago, I was working for a company in Erith (coughs) that made power cables. And um, these are very large... um, I wish I should have brought one with me. They're very big cables uh, that um, go underground and, and take power from power stations. The problem with these things is that you have to lay... Hundreds and hundreds of meters of them, and you can, because they're so big, you can only make them in short lengths. And then you have to join them together. Now, when you're joining wires at home, uh, you can just twist them together and that's fine. These things you can't, okay? You have to have very specialist equipment to join them together because there's such high voltage involved. I won't bore you with the details. Um, and uh, we employ some very skilled people called jointers uh, to make the joints. And we had made a new type of cable. And uh, it needed some very, very skilled people to come and do these, these joints. And, and uh, it was a plastic-type cable. And they had to use bits of glass, very, very sharp glass, to prepare the surface. Now, this was tricky. It was dangerous because they could cut themselves. They couldn't have the big gloves on because it was so precise. And uh, the problem was, is if they did it wrong, or they, they dug into the, to the plastic too much, when they made the joint, it would fail. It would, uh, it would, um, the electricity would get out and the thing would go bang. And so they took literally about eight hours each time to prepare this cable. And even then, it didn't get right. Anyway, we, um, we were looking into this problem, and we heard about this guy in France who had created a tool to overcome this problem. And so uh, <clears throat> we phoned him up and said, look, can we come and see you? Uh, and so me and a colleague uh, got in a car, we hired a car, went to, to France, stayed over in Paris, drove into the French countryside. Uh, I love the way the French do things, because they're, they're really understated so often in, in their business. And uh, we got there eventually, this little little factory in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I, I can't even remember where it was. And, um, and we, we had taken a sample of our cable, and we, we gave it to him. And he looked at it and said, yeah, yeah, I can, I can sort this out. And he started it, and he said, oh, no, wait a minute, we need to go and have lunch. <laughs> I remember that, because uh, the lunch was, again, wonderful. It was about three hours. Uh, <laughs> a little restaurant. Anyway, I won't go into that. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, we got back from lunch, uh, and he showed us this tool that he'd been working on for a number of years. 
and he put it on our cable, and uh, and he and, and it was and he twisted it round, and it just went round and round and round, and it took off, and it, uh, and it, we could see exactly what it was doing. It was doing exactly what we needed it to do, um, and it was because this guy had spent time fashioning and preparing this tool to do this job. And you know what? It saved us hours and hours. I think we could do the job now in about an hour and a half, down from eight hours. And, and it was much more precise, so the joints didn't fail anymore. And it was all because this guy had bothered to look at this and say, I need, I need to create something to do this better. I need to, because what's going on here isn't good. Uh, and so he had spent time, and he had spent a long time, developing this thing and honing it and getting it ready. Now, I could have taken it back and said, oh, that's great, but, you know, I could phone him up later and said, well, you know, look, this isn't a very good tool. I tried to cut my hair with it, and uh, really it's just made some gouges and it's not good. Um, and he would have said to me, no, no, that's not what it's for. It's for this particular thing. This is what I fashioned it for. This is what I've made it for. And when this tool does it, it's, it beautifully, it works beautifully, it's, it's excellent. And that's a picture of what God has done for each of us. He has made you a tool in his hands for something very specific and very wonderful. And if you use it for something else, it won't work. And if I, if I used a, uh, some scissors on that, if, if that's what I am, I used it on that cable, it wouldn't work. But this tool did. And and each of us has been fashioned by God to do an amazing work for him. And they say, it might be a simple thing during the week, it might be something big that God's put on your heart, but that's you. And don't compare yourself. And don't think, I wish I was them. Because actually God said, well no, if you were them, you wouldn't be able to do this. You wouldn't be fashioned for this. Amen. And so... These wonderful truths that Paul brings out here in these few simple verses is that you were made, you were saved by grace, you were bought with a price, it was all down to God, not you, it's by faith you're saved, but actually I've made you, now I've chosen you, it's not a chance thing, I've made you into something and I'm making you into something amazing and you've got some amazing works to do, works that will be fulfilling and enjoyable and fun, that will be a blessing. A blessing to your family, a blessing to the community, a blessing to this world. That's what I've made you for. And each one of you, and every single person here, that applies to. There is not one person that that doesn't apply to. If you know Jesus this morning, you are made specially for his purpose and to his delight and to be a blessing for this world. So don't compare yourself. Don't despise what God's made. Don't wish you were something different. Because you're amazing. And God has wonderful things for you to do. All I would say to you is this. Listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. What is it, God, you want me to do? What's your good work for me to do today? I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm here. What is it? Or maybe God wants to speak to you something much bigger, much greater. Well, listen to him. Because what God says is, I've prepared them for you. You don't have to strive to find them. I'll speak to you about them. I'll speak to you each day what I would like you to do, the good work for that person in the office, that person at the school gate, that person in the school. Just be nice to them, be kind, do something. That's more good work today. But maybe also God has got something even greater, something in the church, something in the world, something in the community that God has put on your heart.
or pray to him, listen to him, and he will lead you into doing that. But, but whatever you do, know that God has that much for you to do, and he's prepared you for it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you have done in salvation. Lord God, thank you that it was enough for you to save us. Uh, Lord, that was just wonderful, but thank you, Lord, not only have you saved us, you transform us, and you make us into something amazing, Lord, uh, that will be used for your glory. And God, I thank you that each person here has been made for a specific purpose that is going to be God-glorifying, is going to be satisfying, and is going to be good for us and for the community and the world, Lord. And I just pray, God, that each one of us, Lord, would learn to walk in that, to live in the good things that you've done for us. Mm -hmm. Not to earn anything, but, Lord, to know the fulfilment of a life lived for you, doing good works that you've prepared for us. And, Lord, thank you. I thank you for the wonderful deposit you put here. Lord, I thank you for these glorious people that are are part of us, Lord. Because, Lord, Father, what amazing things you've put in their hearts, what amazing things you've fashioned them to do, Lord. And, Father, we're excited about what you are using us for and what you will use us for in the future. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. In a moment, I just wanted to say how, how thrilled I am when I hear that story from, from Tim. I remember when, years and years ago, I was leading a house group of eight or nine people in the room, and I was in a prayer meeting with a lady called Sarah Porter and a lady called Joan Gowan, who was a lady in the 70s, a great prayer warrior. And I remember in that meeting, God said to me, Jamie, I've called you to be a gold digger and to find the gold in people, and that when you find the gold in them, you're to cry out, there's gold in those hills. <laughs> And uh, so I would say, what am I on earth for is to raise up big men and women who know who they are. And I love that story because it just shows you that actually that's what God's heart for each of us is, that we become, as it were, that fully fashioned tool that just effortlessly gets the job done in a remarkable way. And I, God's so, his heart is that we know our identity that we know we're sons and daughters, and then that we know our role, that why he's called us to be, to bring glory. And he wants us to be so free. He wants us to be so free from performance and comparison and competition, so we just are that tall, doing that wonderful job. And that can be in the daily things that we do, like Tim was saying, in the work that we do, just doing it with an attitude, I'm doing this as unto you, God. I'm doing this role, this job, even if it's the most mundane thing, I'm doing it for you, as unto God. And then you find yourself serving people in a remarkable way. And just to say as well, that in the story of the talents, Jesus gives one talent to one, two to another, and I think he's at five to another, but they all could multiply the gifts and the grace on their life. They might have started with two, but through faithfulness and stewardship and using it, they can multiply it. So you might think I'm a one-talent man or a one-talent woman, or you might be two, you might be five. Jesus says you can multiply that by faithfulness, recognising who he has, what he's put in you, and just faithfully using it on a daily basis. Then God can increase that. And we find such a remarkable thing that the ridiculous way that Jesus promotes people and those talents, how they go from having five talents to actually then ruling over ten cities. <laughs> just through faithful stewardship of what is given them. So God, we, we want to really believe you in terms of who you've made us to be. And we want to be a place, God, where there's no comparison, there's no competition, and there's no striving, 
that, that we can thrill as one person absolutely excels, as it were, and put them cable together in an effortless way. And we can glorify that and say, I'm so grateful for the remarkable gift that connects cable. And then we can marvel at ourselves and the glory that God's put in us. And I think that's what a cultural celebration is. But we can say, wow, that's amazing. And you just pray as well, I just felt to prophesy on that, with that story, just to pray in your jobs as well, that you will come up with solutions and ideas that save your company money and sort out systems and bring wisdom into relationships and help your organisation work well in any way that it does. That school teachers, you would see more children succeeding yes. academically in your yeah. area yeah. and there would be an increase of literacy and maths ability yeah. in your yeah. classroom yeah. because you're there mm. yes. and for business people you would enable your companies to make more money because you're there mm. and actually you would just start find yourself having ideas and this is a better way of doing it and this is like hopeful story about every morning when she prays about when her job that less children would go into foster care or in, into leaving families that day and there'd yes. be resolutions this, this is the kingdom of God that yeah. he takes yeah. the very ordinary things that we do and he, he makes yeah. them supernatural and spiritual so we mustn't, we mustn't reject anything that we do be open to God for ideas remember Tim saying that idea he had for the, the cross rail and the millions it saved mm. just be open to that yeah. Amen Yeah, just it would be great to carry on praying for Eileen. So at the end, if you have.